Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Dream Cowboys. Welcome everyone to our Snyder Cut recap and review podcast. We are going to be going through scene by scene Zack Snyder's theatrical masterpiece, Justice League. And it was supposed to be a four-part miniseries, and they've really screwed us releasing it all at once, but that's fine. We're not changing our plans for Zack Snyder. We're doing it week by week. This week, the first hour of again a four-hour movie. I'm James, and as always, uh, here's Ryan. Hi, I'm Ryan, and that's correct. Our plan will not be altered, okay? Reality does not shape what we do with our time, especially about this exact podcast, about this exact show, or, you know, or movie. You know, it was going to be a show, but... Apparently, there were legal issues with turning a movie into a TV show. So, Zack Snyder's Justice League, basically like the downloaded piece of entertainment off of Zack Snyder's laptop, the WB was finally cool with him releasing, where they were like, you can just, like, don't do anything new, just really, just upload it. And he was like, no, absolutely not, that's a terrible idea. So, he did do an, uh, a good amount of work on this. And it turned into a four-hour movie that, overall, it seems as though the internet has come to the idea. You used the word masterpiece. I assume that was referencing what the internet's vibes are lately. I've heard nothing but positive reviews about the Snyder Cut, which which is why it was so confusing when I was watching it and it fucking sucked. (laughs) Oh, shit. Wow, that was immediately usually you uh in a podcast you know you you build up you work towards a conclusion you don't really know exactly where it's going but no from in this one uh, james's feelings right off the bat kind of in front of you this is like t-ball you can just hit it it's right in front of you just keep your eyes on it and also ryan and i have recapped long movies before the good the bad the ugly comes to mind and when you're really going scene by scene it takes in eternity and i would not want to sit here and, and talk for four hours straight about the snyder cut uh I, I i hardly want to talk about it at all so am i getting the vibe that you liked it i don't feel as negatively as you do for sure i listen when we start a new podcast about a new show or a movie, a lot of the time it's hard for me to nail down what I'm interested in beforehand exactly, like what I'm looking for as I watch the show or movie. Usually it's just like a moment where I can let the entertainment wash over me with nothing affecting me externally. But this time it, it they cannot be that way, okay? The questions and the context surrounding Zack Snyder's Justice League are plentiful. 
Right. And while I believe DC canon is generally doomed, this is slightly to the side of said doom, in my opinion. By, and it's not canon. A, it's a, This is a director's vision. This is one dude's feeling on the subject. All of it in one place. And now he's gone. So throughout this podcast, I will, and I'm sure you will as well, get into the many problems that DC and its cinematic universe has. And, you know, spoiler alert, if while we talk, there's one large problem that the DC and the universe has. And it's, a, it's one super problem. And, and we'll also discuss, you and I, James, how that problem is also within the MCU. This is not just a DC problem, but it's dealt with a lot differently with the MCU. Well, I, I want to say the, the story of what happened behind the scenes has now been told a thousand times and, and litigated all over the internet. Zack Snyder got cursed by Alan Moore and had personal tragedy as a result. And so he had to step away Conjecture. from the project. And okay. They brought in uh, recently canceled director Joss Whedon to uh, do a Joss Whedon version of Justice League because the studio got too scared by the response to Batman v Superman. And what what is news now, though, what has recently come out in the form of Hollywood rumors is that Warner Brothers either lied to Zack Snyder about their intentions when he said, I have to step away for bereavement leave. And they were like, go and take the time you need and you can come back and finish it. And then betrayed him and, and got a new director to, to Frankenstein his movie. So either that happened or they basically waited for him to like be too far away from the production to do anything about it. And, and then, you know, when he was busy dealing with his own personal crisis, they were like, okay, now secretly bring in Joss Whedon to fuck up his movie. Yeah, it sounds like they were happy that he had to step away because they didn't like how his version of their movie was going. Uh, and, you know, now this piece of entertainment, Zack Snyder's Justice League, you can gladly give the studio zero credit you can give the dc execs zero credit the feige to marvel as blank is to dc's names is walter hamada who is embroiled within his own drama google it if if you care and was hired a year after justice league theatrical came out so he has nothing to do with the snyder cut wb obviously has barely anything to do with the snyder cut as soon as humanly possible they were like we need a superhero fixer we need Avengers 1 guy to come in here and make this anything of what it's not. And what they eventually got was a critically panned movie, you know, unlike the Snyder Cut, which again, the internet has generally claimed as a masterpiece, which I think is a, is a bit much. But everyone knows everything about how this came to be, which it makes it easier to not hate. Except for you. <laughs> this is one of those Hollywood what-if scenarios played out in real life, right? Like, what if Christopher Walken had been cast in the role of Han Solo instead of Harrison Ford, which is a thing that might have happened? What would that have been like, right? This is, oh, what would have happened if Zack Snyder truly had been able to direct <laughs> the Justice League? What would that have been like? And, and in truth, 
The Snyder Cut is better than the theatrical release, but in the same way that being shot in the foot is better than being (laughs) shot in the dick. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's the bar wasn't set very high to begin with. So, yeah, it is better for sure. You know, we got two more hours than we had previously to just, like, actually flesh out characters, characters that in the theatrical release were basically cardboard cutouts of characters. So, yeah, it's there's more of it. So, yes, it is better. I'll say also... A recent article I just read stated that WB execs were reportedly, quote, not impressed with the Snyder Justice Cut, unquote. Like, they gave this two weeks in the limelight before Godzilla and Kong comes out. They're also not impressed, which can be translated to, it didn't have to do with me, so I hate it. (laughs) It's all of that stuff where Zack Snyder's Justice League has Everest to climb and it has forever and it's felt like it was actually never going to happen now that it has happened and it sounds like the studio is like treating it still like it's redheaded stepchild you just I I think a lot of people go into it like needing it to be good because they've waited so long because DC has a lot of loyal fan people two of which aren't us I assume but yeah I think it will be, like, let it be known, this was a cash grab, one that Warner Brothers barely cares about. The theatrical cut is still canon to them, which is insane, and Snyder didn't get paid for any of this. Yeah, he did it out of spite. This was just him exacting revenge on the WV executives, and all he had to do was make a movie even a little bit better than Joss Whedon's version to make the argument like, oh, see, you backed the wrong horse. I potentially could have made more money for you. Yeah, idiots. And it's been a success for HBO Max, a platform that needs all the help it can get in a post-Game of Thrones world. Following its opening weekend, it got reported that 1.8 million American households had watched at least for the first five minutes of the film. And that total was behind the wonder woman 1984 when it came out which was at Mm. 2.2 million but ahead of the pilot episode of the falcon and the winter soldier which is at 1.7 million which just debuted the same weekend on disney plus and i think the context of where dc is right now and where it's going matters a bit right tomorrow or at least whenever you're listening to this the 26th of march 2021 we get the Suicide Squad Red Band trailer from James Gunn, the second movie of this franchise that had to be redone because it sucked so hard the first time. And then we don't get anything else until March of 2022, where we get Robert Pattinson's Batman, you know, the guy who made Planet of the Apes and Cloverfield tries to fill the most prolific filmmaker of this generation's shoes and tries to outdo Dark Knight. Good goddamn luck. Uh, 2022 also will bring us the Flash film, as long as Ezra Miller isn't completely canceled by then. And Aquaman 2, will Amber Heard be in that, or will she be canceled? Probably not, which is bullshit. And, and by the way, also Shazam! Fury of the Gods, which is actually great. I love Shazam. I really look forward to Shazam. I love that movie. And it's the only one I'm actually looking forward to. But, you know, Man of Steel made money. Batman versus Superman, as awful as it was and i I, i'm sure there are people out there who love that movie i just didn't like it very much i I think it suffered from a 
core issue, which is that, uh, and we'll get into it, the, the core issue that DC, the universe itself has, that movie pre- was personified of. But it made money, and Justice League, you know, also made money. All of these movies, uh, uh, you can argue like some specific Hollywood math, perhaps 1984 didn't make as much money as they wanted to, because it wasn't very good. But they've all made money, which is why they were like, okay, Snyder, <laughs> you do whatever you want, I guess. Uh, just release it off your laptop. Don't spend any money. And Zack Snyder was like, I'm going to shoot new stuff in my front yard. Fuck off. Before we get into the recap, we just want to let everyone know that we do have a Patreon where you can find bonus content. That's HBO <laughs> Boys uh, on Patreon. And you can get bonus content and chat with us live on discord and ryan will shout out your name at the end of each episode that's true i do really like a patreon transition right after the words fuck off (laughs) (laughs) the first thing you have to say is that this is shown in some non-standard aspect ratio that makes it letterboxed if you watch it on a phone as i did or on a widescreen tv as i assume everyone else did and what this just made me think, like, <laughs> Zack Snyder's like, okay, so I want to make a good movie. Who makes good movies? Quentin Tarantino. What does Quentin Tarantino do? Weird aspect ratio shit. So if I do a weird aspect ratio, my movie will be good, too. Yeah. I mean, his point was, like, it's going to be 4-3 because it's supposed to be an IMAX movie. In the best-case scenario, you're looking at it on a gigantic IMAX screen. Except for nobody is. They're all sitting on their couches being like, 4-3? What are these bars on the side? What the fuck? Also, the the problem with the theatrical cut had nothing to do with the aspect ratio. Just a very strange thing to fix. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it wasn't broken, but he decided to fix it anyway. The, the point is, Zack Snyder did a whole lot of things that I think he was very easily chalking up to. Because I wanna, so you know, Warner didn't have notes. He said, uh, or he said they did have notes, but all the most of like the ninety nine percent of the notes he didn't do. Guaranteed, they're like, you can. Why don't you make it look good on any TV that's ever existed? And he's like, no, fuck that. I don't. I will. I refuse. <laughs> we then get a refresher on the climax of Batman v Superman, which is that Superman died in combat with Doomsday. I want to say, yeah, is that right? <laughs> and uh, it's he- whatever the big baddie was from Lex Luthor mixing his general yeah, vibes he, he, with something he busted else. all over uh general zod's corpse and it turned into a monster yeah gross <laughs> and and so batman's death scream which i don't actually remember superman's death scream sorry batman is sadly not dead affleck <laughs> is alive it would have been better if he was dead yeah, Superman's big no death scream, which I, I can't even recall that happening, but you know, it reverberates uh throughout the world and all of the secondary characters can hear it, and it also uh wakes up the mother box. Mother box is. There are three of them. The MCU has infinity stones, and DC Universe has mother boxes. I think I joked around with you. In in 2017, we were joking like, oh, Avengers thinks they're cool with their one box? Fuck that. We got three in this movie. 
Yes. Like, I don't know which one came first at this point. Like, I, I assume just, like, based on nothing at all that like mother boxes were uh, were like invented in 1940 and infinity stones came later i have no idea which came first the chicken or the egg but all i know is i'm very familiar with the infinity stones so when they start talking about the MacGuffins of three boxes that have to be found and together that will also somehow inform the people who have them all of the tertiary characters that we're going to learn about i'm like oh so like infinity stones but worse got it after that we have a montage of life sucking now because superman is dead and everything's shit and everyone in the world is sad and we get some i don't know pretty nice song off of Zack snyder's spotify list (laughs) yeah yes he redid all of the music or the exact way like he was just like listening to asmr movies of people like picking locks and in the middle of that other calming playlist where he was like okay now that will be perfect for my four-hour movie put that one in there and right superman is dead which i i'll only say one sentence on this now because i i've i've written like a an essay long thing about this rant and it will come later the only way this movie works is superman's dead if superman wasn't dead there'd be no movie and even in a movie where he's dead they talk about him the entire time then we get a white on black title sequence part one don't count on it batman again he's like well okay so uh quentin tarantino puts very old-fashioned part one, part two titles throughout his movie. I'll just do the same thing, and then my movie will be just as good as one of his. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, this is Zack Snyder's Reservoir Dogs, and Superman is Mr. Orange. Now we're in Iceland, and uh, Bruce Wayne is climbing a mountain because there's a big storm, and you can't just take a boat Listen, or whatever. James, there ain't no mountain high enough, Okay. Ain't no river wide enough. Ain't no other piece of land that is some sort of too big and or too small for someone to get over. For keeping me from getting to Aquaman, babe. He goes into the tavern, which is the one set that they have for this location. And mm-hmm. he's, I, I know Aquaman's here. I'll pay you. I'll pay you the paltry sum of 25k, even though I'm a billionaire, if you let me talk to him. And... They're hostile to him for whatever reason, I get for protecting Aquaman's identity or whatever, but eventually he does talk to Aquaman, and he's like, join the Justice League, I feel bad, because Superman's dead, so we need a superhero team to replace him, and Aquaman just says, that sounds boring, and no, it leaves. And then there's like a chorus of Icelandic women who sing a Joanna Newsom song, and I, I was trying to understand why. Dressed like a bat. You're out of your mind, Bruce Wayne.
I guess it's just, again, as you said, Zack Snyder's just like, I like, I think this would be good to put, to put here for, for no reason. I like it. It, it was <laughs> the first moment where you were like, oh, this is an extended edition of this movie where Zack Snyder was like, okay, now zoom in on all the blonde girls singing the song I like and then stay there. For how long, Zach? I don't know, 10, 15 minutes? Then we have another montage with no dialogue where Martha Kent goes to visit Clark's grave and also her house is being foreclosed on. That's just what you need to know from this scene. There's nothing else uh, going on or established here. Remember Martha Kent? She's a character. Uh, Now she's having some difficulties, I guess. Right, about her son being dead. And as you might recall, at the end of Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, the dirt above Superman's grave was floating. So nothing came from that at all. Zero. And Martha's there. Interesting piece of DC canon here that like Superman's corpse does not decompose because the cells of his body are too strong to be possibly damaged by Earth microbes. But I thought, okay, that I can accept that. But don't his powers come from the sun, though? And he's buried underground in a box. So you'd think that ability would wear off at some point, right? Mm-mm. No, James. He's just too strong. Superman is, uh, it doesn't, is, he's not like mediocrely strong man, James. Okay. He's a superhero with the word super in his name. He's like if an erect penis was a superhero. Exactly like that. Then in Metropolis, Lois is getting coffee. She gives coffee to the local beat cop because she's a nice person. She spits in it. Yeah, it's weird, though. (laughs) Just loogies, hands it to the cop. She then walks sadly through the rain as more of Zach's (laughs) Spotify playlist is going. And he really liked that shot in Watchmen where they're walking. It's like an overhead shot of them with umbrellas. He's like, I'll just do it again because I liked it so much. (laughs) <laughs> yeah right you know go, go use the classics and they go to like the superman memorial where i guess it's like all the all the people who died because of doomsday and also superman and I, i'm starting to realize like some of these scenes were in the whedon cut and some weren't but like i, right. I can't even remember i remember so little of the whedon cut because i absorbed none of it I, I basically remember there were some shit tier like marvel humor jokes and then, God, I remember some of the gags from the end where, like, the Flash pushes a car and then Superman has a whole apartment building. And and, and I remember that gag. I think that was a gag was okay. I, I, and I remember when they revived Superman. And, like, everything else is just a blur. And I guess this next scene with Wonder Woman is almost the same as what happened in the Whedon Cup. But yes. for me, it was like seeing the first time. Right. It was like reliving a fever dream. Like, uh, one that, like, when you got to the end of, you were like, I'm cool with that happening once. So in England, I guess, I don't know, uh, the terrorists are sieging a museum and they take a bunch of people hostage. And Wonder Woman shows up on the scene and she lassos one of him to try to get the situation. And I thought this was funny. He's like, we're a reactionary terrorist group who want to yada, yada, yada. And I just thought, well, interesting that he would characterize himself as a reactionary terrorist. I think most reactionaries would not self-identify as reactionary, uh, say, ditto terrorists. <laughs> but yeah. I guess it's, it's the lasso of character shorthand. 
Right, the lasso of self-awareness. He took a freshman philosophy class. He knows what he's talking about. Anyway, Wonder Woman saves the day. This action sequence is okay. I don't know how much has changed from the Whedon cut, but a lot of Zack Snyder slow-mo. It's fine. Yes, it's all slow motion. Uh, Zack Snyder having all the actors actually just like go in slow motion themselves at 100 frames per second. But yeah, this scene is to be like, hey, you guys remember Wonder Woman? She's good. Remember that she's good? Is everyone all right? You okay? Good. Okay? Good. You okay, princess? Can I be like you someday? You can be anything you want to be. Yeah, nothing else is, this is just a character introduction. Nothing else is established here. It's no, just zero. And what she's doing, like the basis of what she's saving has no, In no relationship to the overall plot. They wanted to Correct. just, they were, they're basically suicide bombers. Like we're going to blow up a, a bomb in a museum to, to teach everyone some kind of lesson. You'd think they would have tried to do that in the writing, right? To have 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 it have some amount of consequence on the overall plot of the movie, but nope, no, she's it's just really there for her to block bullets with the one part of her wrist that she uses to do so, which seems inefficient. Also, to me, and I, this is a complaint I've had since I was like twelve years old. Every DC character, on top of whatever else they can do, like also has super speed. So. I guess the Flash has like super duper speed, but it just seems redundant to me. Yeah, and I'm always confused like, okay, does Wonder Woman have the ability to fly or can she just jump so good? You know, I, I'm I've jumping and I'm kind of floating in the air and also I can change directions while jumping. So it's like flying, but it's not a hundo there. And uh, if I throw Flash far enough in the air, he can probably fly too. Where I can fly and we're all super fast. And yeah, you're right. It kind of makes Flash shitty. Then we cut to the island of Lesbos where the Amazons are on doing their thing. Oh, but the mother box. Is, Wait, is that the actual name of the island? It might be. No, I think it's something else. <laughs> I was wondering if you were being insensitive. Or if they actually leaned into it and named it that, which would be, forgive the phrase, ballsy. Well, that was in antiquity, like the legendary Greek island of only women. I don't, I know, I'm sure, no, that, I forget the name. Wonder Woman's homeland has, it's like a You're fucking canceled, dude. You're so canceled. <laughs> well, anyway, the island of lesbians and, uh. <laughs> yeah, the mother box is, is, I don't know, moving around in its sleep. And so they're all pointing their arrows and spears at it in case it jumps out at them or something and yeah then steppenwolf takes the rainbow portal from thor into that room he looks different than the whedon cut that much i noticed now he has a shiny chrome exterior he looks like the really boring robot enemy from thor one he does look like that i like his design i like his voice uh, one of the main terrible parts of the theatrical cut was like, you have no idea why Steppenwolf is doing anything of what he's doing. One of the main things added to the Snyder cut is his motivations. 
So mm-hmm. he is a better character. Again, the bar was very low, but he is a better character in the Snyder Cut than he was in the theatrical. There's a big fight and chase scene here where the Amazonians are trying to get the box away from Steppenwolf. It's all pretty moot because he can teleport. Oh, noble queen. Why do you fight? You can't save her. You can't save any of them. The great darkness begins. And he does get away with the box and and they decide that they must tell Wonder Woman about this. And maybe you think we haven't really gone over that many scenes yet, but this is already 30 minutes into the movie. Each one of these sequences takes an eternity. Yeah, I mean, the museum scene alone was 15 minutes. And then, which could have been just like Zack Snyder. Like, it cuts to Zack Snyder at a desk, and he was like, and Wonder Woman is cool. And then it could have gone to this next part, but he got so uppity about it, he just had to show it to us. Steppenwolf takes the mother box to Chernobyl, which is some pretty good HBO brand integration. Yeah, that is really nice. You know, and also, like, it's just good because he wants to be alone. And the radiation there has allowed him to have like a home base where nobody can get near it because they'll die. Then we get Bruce on his private jet with Alfred and they're researching the Flash. And Alfred makes the remark that Bruce is crazy. He's putting together a team for nothing. Nothing's even happening. Why do you care? And Bruce says that he made a promise to superman as he died that he would save the world or something and he's got to do it and i don't i don't specifically remember that interaction from batman v superman but it's good also that batman here has more clearly defined character motivation than i remember him having in the whedon cut because like in the whedon cut i feel like the aliens come right away and then batman's motivation is just like fight the aliens right yes in this cut he has intentions and goals that he is trying to reach and trying to fill the shoes of a god when he knows he is but a man. So tragedy is built into everything that he does, which makes it better, which is good because it's tough, man. I mean, the only thing DC has seemed to do like decently right over the last 20 years was Christopher Nolan's Batman trilogy. Which, as you might recall, you know how many times they mentioned Superman in that trilogy? Uh, None! And that was for a good reason. So, like, I recall when I heard that Ben Affleck had been chosen to be the next Batman. I was like, okay, well, is Matt Damon going to be the Riddler? Like, are they both going to have deep, thick Boston accents when they do it? I, I I don't I never liked the the choice in the first place, and he's fine in this movie. It's just Batman is like such a clawless, a feat like dude dressed up in a black suit who uses a gun. You remember that in Batman versus Superman? He had a gun for a lot of it, and I was like, Batman sucks. <laughs> right, and it also just goes against the traditional Batman mythos, which is like. He doesn't use guns because of the childhood trauma of watching his parents gun down. And Zack Snyder's like, nah, fuck that dude. Batman with guns. It's so cool. Yeah. Give him an Uzi. <laughs> yeah. 
Next, we're introduced to Star Labs and Cyborg's dad, Dr. Stone, which is also the name of a pretty good anime and manga, by the way, if, if you want to get into something better than this. And okay, <laughs> it's time to quit. And so he says goodbye to the janitor and the janitor's mopping up. And then, oh, my God, there's an alien in the lab. So Cyborg in the theatrical cut was just like forgotten about it seems like his backstory was barely there and one of the major changes from theatrical to snyder cut is the amount of backstory given for cyborg the amount that he is and his story is fleshed out but i will also say that i've been watching doom patrol lately and that's a dc property where it's a bunch of tier two tier three superheroes are in the past like of the timeline in dc you know when cyborg was basically a teenager this is when he's you know early 20s but like earlier in his life he was part of the doom patrol and in that first season of that tv show they give his backstory like it's amazing. They do a good job of describing how he became who he is and what he is. So I recently, within the past month, got a full version of Cyborg's backstory done to what I would argue is perfection. So even as they're trying their best to, you know, make up for the theatrical cut and the lack of backstory given at all to Cyborg and to give him some context whatsoever, as I'm watching it, I'm just like, this is worse than the TV show I like. Back on Wonder Woman's home island, and I looked it up, it's not Lesbos, it's Themyscira, but it's absolutely based oh, on Lesbos. So That's not think, even close, I don't think man. I should really be canceled for that. No, you should oh. be ca- you're already canceled, <laughs> and that wasn't, that's not even close. If it was like, la, la, Lesbos? Lesbos? Right, but it's Losing based, boosies? it's based on the Isle of Lesbos. It, they just didn't use that name. It's the same idea. Yeah, that extrapolation was full of white privilege. So <laughs> this is gaslighting. Okay. <laughs> okay. So now uh, the Amazons are, are going to light the fires because Gondor calls for aid. And sure. they do. They shoot an arrow. It goes all the way they from, do that. from fake grease to real grease. And this is a signal for Wonder Woman to see on TV that aliens have come to Earth. And, and that's, that's all that happened. They shot an arrow. It flew through the sky. It started a fire in, I don't know, in, in, in Greece somewhere, Athens. And then Wonder Woman sees it on TV the next day. And that was about 20 minutes. She synced it. And then she was like, I, I gotta go there and go into a gosh dang cave system and gain knowledge about whatever the fuck. She goes to the temple, and it turns out the arrow that they shot is also, like, a key. This is, like, a Tomb Raider game. And she finds on there, like, an ancient alien's mural explaining about the mother boxes, I guess. We we didn't get there in the movie yet. (laughs) Whatever whatever the implications of what this is. That's in hours two through four. Which, by the way, you only watched the first hour. Mm -hmm. I watched two and a half hours, and I was like, I gotta stop. I haven't watched the last two hours yet, because I watched the first part about a week ago. It didn't feel like a waste of time, but I felt fatigued. I was like, I gotta go to bed. Back at Star Labs, S.H.I.E.L.D. has shown up because of the alien attack. 
and they're telling Dr. Stone that your employees were abducted by aliens. They're probably getting anal probed right now. And he kind of shrugs it off. He's like, I'm sure that can't be true. And then he goes home and he tells his half-robot son, Victor, this is Cyborg, that the, the box is no longer safe, just like in their apartment. The box isn't safe here. Victor, they came looking for it at the lab. People were taken by some kind of monsters. You know a lot about monsters, don't you? And uh, they gotta they gotta get rid of the box because monsters are coming. And then you know, Victor's all angsty. He's like, "Oh yeah." monsters monsters like me i'm a monster you made me a monster and my mom's dead and fuck you i never understood the the cyborg's angst about this issue it's like okay you were dead and i brought you back to life as a cyborg that's better than being dead right it's not like i experimented on you when you were fine and turned you into a cyborg I, i i guess if you really want i could just turn you off you can go back to being dead if that's what you prefer i mean Part of him at certain times would prefer that. But I would also say Doom Patrol does a very good job of ex- un- making you understand exactly how he feels. In that instance or that history, a lot of his memories had been altered or just added completely by his father to like soothe the transition from him to be a robot. Uh, and uh, it was explained that he was the actual reason his mom died. But So, like, in the Justice League Cider Cut, it was in a car crash in Doom Patrol. He and his mom were fighting in the lab, and he just, like, hit a bunch of shit off a table, and it exploded. So it was, like, directly his fault that she died. And that then got altered as an idea in his head by his father. And so he's just like... Uh, I don't even know the truth. And I killed mom. Wah. So like, I don't know. It's better in every way. Is it the same actor playing Cyborg? No. Okay. Next, we go back to Iceland. There's a sailor lost at sea. He gets saved by Aquaman. He brings him back to the one set, which is the bar. And then he starts drinking and he starts to feel emo. So he goes into the sea. We get another, again, like Zack Snyder's iPhone playlist. And he's under the sea. And he's looking at a statue of, I don't know, his dad. I didn't see Aquaman. I assume this ties in. And then the Green Goblin shows up. And I understand yeah. that he, he's a character in Aquaman as well. King who would be man. Son of a human father and queen of the seas. All the time I wasted trying to keep the promise I made to your mother. Are you finished, old man? You never sleep in the same place twice. Yet, you keep coming back here. I like it. It's quiet. It's your inheritance. You're the rightful king of Atlantis. Our people suffer. Your people. A brutal, petty, superstitious race. Is the surface any different? Nobody calls me king of the surface. He's basically like, you gotta be king now. And Aquaman says, well, I don't want to be king. I just can't wait to not be king. People in Atlantis are being abducted. And there's a line where he's like, the Snatchers have come from the dark place. And I was like, that's that's like a line you would write for Dobby. <laughs> <Harry Potter>. Yes. <laughs> Give Dobby a sock. 
And he says, take your mom's yeah. trident. And he, and he does. That's it. And he's like, fine, fuck. I'll be a superhero if I have to. Oh, this scene was so weird. The one where he was saving the person on the boat, like, especially after we already met him in the Iceland town with Batman, they were like, now we're going to do an intro to him. Like, you haven't already met him. Right. And to me, it seems like you shoot a lot of this stuff and then in post you figure out like, oh, which way do we want to introduce Aquaman in this scene or in that scene? And then we cut the other one out and Joss Whedon's like, fuck it, do both. <laughs> oh, God. So then we go back to Chernobyl and the the insect alien monsters have made Steppenwolf a FaceTime machine so that he can talk to some other dark side Lieutenant, his name is Desaad, which I was, so is this like a, a reference to the Marquis Desaad? Is there some historical thing going on here? I don't think it matters. I don't and... know. Also, as a side <laughs> note, are you sure it's Chernobyl? I, I, I'm pretty sure Commissioner James Gordon gave them info that they, they're like an abandoned facility under Gotham Harbor. But Chernobyl would have been better, honestly. I think it's, it's, I think it's an analog for Chernobyl. Cause he, when he first gets there, he's like, oh, good. It's, it's too radiated for humans to live here. So. Ah, okie dokie. Nothing really new is established here. There's, there's three boxes. I have one. I'm going to get the other two. But then we do get, as you said, some Steppenwolf characterization. Mighty Steppenwolf. Who might have sat here? By the side of the Great One, but undone by his self-pride. Desad, I fall before you. Let me make a plea to him that I may come home after I take this world in his name. You betrayed him, your own family. I saw my mistake. I slaughtered those who sought his throne. You still owe the Great One 50,000 more worlds. He will hear your plea when you pay your debt. Turns out he's a loser and everyone on planet evil hates him because he fucked up at some point in the past. Yeah, especially his dad. He has to conquer 50,000 worlds before he can come home. Yeah, that's a steep punishment. I guess maybe they're immortal and after a certain period of time he would be able to do that. It just reminds me. In, in Steven Universe, like, the characters are also uh, immortal. The gems are. And so at one point they ground him for 10,000 years. <laughs> right. Yeah, but when you're immortal, it's not that long. Yeah, no, he, he needs to take over so many worlds. He, he disappointed Daddy Darkseid, who we'll learn much more about later. But he wants to get back in Daddy's good graces. And he is real sad about it. So he is desperately trying to take over Earth because he got he gets to keep going. He got a lot more a lot more worlds to take over. And that's it. That's the one hour mark. Uh, that's the first twenty five percent of the movie. It was awful. I was so shocked oh, okay. by how boring and bad it was because everyone was saying the cider cut was good, and maybe all the good parts are backloaded into the last three hours but the first hour was a slog and i really didn't enjoy any of it at all the best scene was probably maybe the wonder woman action sequence at the museum but again that was already in the first cut 
Yeah, I don't feel that. L- listen, I think all of the DC properties are set up to fail from the very beginning. I go into any of these movies assuming they're going to be at least a little bit dumb because DC has the Superman problem that will never, ever, ever go away. Superman is a god, so anything that's happening around him doesn't matter because Superman will always win. Except for this movie where he's dead, but as we know from the theatrical version, he's going to come back to life anyway. And the only way that Justice League, as a movie like Batman, gets people together to fight crime because Superman is dead. If Superman's not dead, Batman's just like, he can just do it. Well, he'll be fine. Uh, We don't need, he doesn't need help. And over the next four episodes, I will do many little rants, but. Captain Marvel is the Superman of the MCU. There's a reason why she's, quote, always off-world, unquote. She's off-world because if she was around all the time, she would just be flying through ships, destroying them, and only taking damage when Thanos is gripping an Infinity Stone like a roll of quarters. So the stories of the MCU just wouldn't be as interesting if God was there all the time Although, like, even with that, with her not being there all the time, you still, if you're me, are watching Ant-Man 2 being like, why do I care about this heist when gods are fighting each other, by the way? And that's how I feel watching any DC movie. Watch the Doom Patrol, and they talk about Superman all the time. They're like, God, we're never going to meet Superman. I don't even know why we exist. Like, they talk about the existential crisis of being superheroes in a world where Superman exists. And it, it brings it to the forefront, which makes it good. But, like, yeah. More specifically for this first hour, it was just a hodgepodge, right? It didn't feel like it was written all at the same time. It felt like it was created in editing because it was. Yeah, and and this is a problem in the MCU as well, that there isn't an emphasis placed on a creative vision. You're just supposed to make a blockbuster movie, and if it happens to be well-written or tackle some interesting themes, all the better. But yeah, don't worry too much about that. And and the DC has that problem, but like out of control. So you said you've watched more. Does it get any better? Yes. Yes, it does. Because they go more into Cyborg's backstory. It's a lot more about Cyborg. Like, that is what is the only part that feels refreshing while watching the Snyder Cut. Is the time in which they dedicate to Cyborg and his story as a whole. And they get farther away. Like, And also like when they get more into the Flash and they change slightly how he is presented from the theatrical cut. It feels... Like, the weights are taken off the story a little bit. So, when when those two characters become mainstays of the screen and are getting as much screen time or more screen time than Batman, Aquaman, and or Wonder Woman, it feels and is better. But we're not there yet. And also, like... Even when those things are happening, you're not thinking to yourself, if you're me, wow, this is hitting all cylinders. Although I suppose that is how the majority of the internet has felt. So we haven't done this in a while, Ryan. I thought I would read to you uh, an article about this topic and, and, and get your organic response to it. The last time you read an article to me, 
It went off the rails and <laughs> had a lot to do with anal and dick paralysis. So I do really look forward to whatever this is. If it's not the same article, I'm honestly disappointed. This is from GQ magazine entitled... Oh, cool. Zack Snyder reveals what would have happened in the movies after his Justice League. This is an interview with Fraser Tharp. What? Okay. So in a perfect world, had you been allowed to release this Justice League the way you envisioned and you stayed on... What would have happened next? Zack Snyder answers. Basically, Darkseid comes to Earth. Lex Luthor has found the anti-life equation. He has to team up with the Riddler, who has deciphered the anti-life equation, and Batman's on their trail. No doubt in my mind that's Matt Damon. The Riddler tells him, I thought it was a riddle, but it turns out to be the end of the world. But Lex gives the anti-life equation to Darkseid upon his arrival, along with the information that if you kill Lois Lane now pregnant you'll be able to control superman and he will succumb to the anti-life equation uh-huh lex luther the riddler and dark side team up I, it feels like they don't have that much to offer dark side no strategically. who gives a shit <laughs> lex luther's a dude the riddler's a dude dark side is a fucking all-powerful god being who takes over thousands and thousands of world with the power of his dick as he slams it onto the north south and all poles of any fucking planet he comes across and lex luther's like i can be helpful dark side will flick him with his fucking pointer finger like boop bye lex luther jesse eisenberg what a terrible fucking idea to make you yeah it's it's all the same problem like marvel has power creep but nowhere near dc no we don't have any idea of like what the dc heroes are capable of because there's there's no metric and it applies to the villains too like who gives a shit what lex Luthor is doing when dark side is anywhere near the earth i know i don't Zack Snyder goes on. Darkseid arrives. He gets into a fight with Superman, but he makes it to the Batcave where Lois is hiding. Batman isn't able to save Lois, and Darkseid eye-beams her just as Superman shows up. And Superman, in his grief, succumbs to the anti-life, and then the Earth falls, because with Superman on his side, you can imagine Darkseid is pretty much unstoppable. Lois is dead? He kills off Lois in Justice League 2, apparently. Well, this is... Well, that that is related to the, the video games, Injustice, which I actually... I, I kind of like those. Uh, I, I like fighting games. And the plot to those are interesting. And DC actually made like a whole comic book series around it that is quite good. It's it's basically like, you know, the characters from Justice League, if their lives fell apart and they started killing each other. Sure. N- not in the like the, the kid-friendly pussy way that they fight each other in Civil War. Where it's like, I'm going to fight you until you're incapacitated and then send you to jail. Like, they're just killing each other, which is interesting to see. Yeah. So then we cut to a distant future, where this band of misfit superheroes has stayed alive somehow through this entire insanity. Their plan in the future is to find one of the mother boxes that still remains, and using Cyborg's genius power and the power of the mother box, jump Flash back in time to the Batcave and give Bruce an advantage in the fight against Darkseid so he could save Lois. Did he he watch Endgame and go, ah, fuck. Right. Ah, I can't do any of this. (laughs) Rachel! In the meantime, while they're hanging out, there was the scene I'd planned where Joker tells the story of killing Robin. We do a flashback to the events before BVS where you see a younger Bruce, but not that much younger, still Ben, and we'd see what put him on the dark road, and you can see where his hatred for the Joker comes from, and that's why he enshrined the Robin suit in the Batcave, and you saw on BVS with the ha-ha-ha jokes on you spray that was on the, the suit of the dead Robin. Do you remember that from BVS, Ryan? We got a backstory for that. 
Sort of, but uh, I do know also uh, like this part that you're talking about, the Robin Joker stuff, Zack Snyder still does want to make a comic book out of, but WB ain't into that shit because they're like, no, we let you do one thing off canon, and now we're going to focus on what's actually on our timeline, and that's not there. Which, uh, I don't know how I feel about that. I think WB is a bunch of pussies. Meanwhile, back in the future, the Joker knows where a stash of kryptonite is because they need that as a weapon. They also need the Joker to get them to the mother box, but they fail. And just as Superman's basically killed everybody, the Flash gets out of his reach and uh, ends up in the past back at the Batcave. And this is the moment right before Lois gets killed. And so Bruce sacrifices himself to save Lois in the past, and that gives Superman enough time to get there. And Darkseid retreats. Then the final act would be this giant war between Darkseid and all his minions, all the new gods, the Fury, Granny Goodness, the whole pantheon of new gods versus the Themyscirians who have come off the island. Atlanteans rise out of the water. Wonder Woman is the new queen. Arthur's the new king. And the armies of men all come together. That means the whole planet, the whole army, the whole planet. They have a huge battle and they win. Then in the end is this epilogue where it's 20 years later because Superman's son doesn't have powers. He's born without the powers of God. But then in the end, he would have become the new Batman. Mm. So we have the, we have the end game fight cut to 20 years later. Clark Kent Jr. doesn't have superpowers, so he takes up the mantle of Batman who sacrificed his life to save Lois. Okay. I am I'm just interested that Zack Snyder, I think Zack Snyder was like like they just caught him at a right time. Like he was four or five cocktails in, he's like, "Fuck it. I'll tell you. I'll tell you my vision." All right, well it's all dead now anyway. It's never going to happen. So he, he, no. he basically explains that, like, all of the weird foreshadowing and Easter eggs was going to lead up to this, like, Justice League. It actually would have been Justice League 3, because this one was supposed to be two movies. Right. He was going to make, like, five movies, which is his original plan. Oh, God. But, yeah. <laughs> he goes on to talk about, like, what celebrities he would have casted and what role. He doesn't say Matt Damon is the Riddler, but I agree that that would have been the way to go. The thing is, like, I get to understand a lot of this, and, like, you know, he name-dropped a bunch of characters I have no context for, the new gods. I couldn't name a single one. Can you name one of the new gods? Nope! Yeah, right. So, (laughs) again, like, I don't hate Zack Snyder. I like a lot of his work. He kind of recycles a lot of the same shit into all his movies, and... He seems really, like, overly fixated on, like, the great man theory of history that, like, you know, there's, there's, there's people who change the world and they're the rich and the powerful people and everyone else is just kind of there to experience their glory. And, and that's kind of how he focuses on the characters in his films as well. And I wonder if it's a manifestation of his own power trip. Cause, cause in reality, Zack Snyder, like, you're not John Galt. You're a C-tier filmmaker who is not even that well-respected by his peers. And so the whole kind of... Uh, it just it just seems really, like, egotistical. This whole thing with the Snyder Cut. That view, though, is skewed now, though. For sure. Like, he has a 97% on his four-hour epic whatever movie on Rotten Tomatoes. He has the validation that his version is better and would have been better. He has a chip on his shoulder that if WB just let him do what he wanted to do long term, it would have been better off for them. Like, they fucked up. The world believes right. that now. It, it, might, it wouldn't have. If, if it had, this had come out, it wouldn't have been good. It might have been better. 
Then the Whedon cut, which as everyone knows, was complete dog shit. And so any, literally anything you could have put 90 minutes of a person's ass up on the screen, it would have been better than, and then the Whedon cut. Listen, in idiocracy, that one best picture. So. <laughs> right. Also one best, uh, screenplay. It did. <laughs> Swept the Oscars. Okay. <laughs> so again, I'm going off of the first hour. Ryan's seen more. He seems to have a more positive feeling about it. Perhaps. Uh, my tune will change after we see the next hour next week. But it's like, seriously, a film is not just, uh, you can't just say, oh, because this scene and that scene and this scene are good. It's a good movie. It's the sum of all its parts. And if any four hour movie starts with an hour, this fucking lame, like it's already failed in my eyes. Yes, but this ain't no regular four hour movie. This is a superhero epic in a world of superhero movies where we are all fatigued and it has to be particularly great to be better than, you know, the 20 to 30 hours of superhero epics that we've gotten over the past 15 years. Yes, and and that's the issue, is that none of these comic book movies, or hardly any of them, uh, pushed the envelope in any direction. And even the better MCU movies are still not, like, in in my opinion, at least, it's to channel Martin Scorsese, like they're not they're not you know uh, amongst the pantheon of the greatest movies of all time. None of them are. Uh, they're pretty good movies, the best MCU movies. They're not. I don't think they're going to be considered classic cinema by people a hundred years from now. And and I don't rewatch them really. I'll rewatch interesting scenes from them. The only two kind of groundbreaking or at least envelope-pushing, weird comic book movies of the last couple years were probably WandaVision and The Joker in terms of, like, trying something new. And, and you know, Infinity War and Endgame don't try that much new. They are really good genre pieces. But at this point, as you said, we've seen so much. We are fatigued. You gotta show me something new. Which that we are not getting in, for instance, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and we're not getting in the Whedon cut or apparently the Snyder cut. No, well, to ask any of that from a DC property is difficult because, listen, I think it's you don't have to say it. It's pretty straightforward. In a world where Marvel versus DC is a thing, not just like how much money they make on every movie, but narratively which one is more interesting it's never been close which Mm -hmm. is the is the context for all of this where wb is even more afraid than marvel is to take large swings and that has become incredibly clear because they've had now two separate movies that after they were done they were like oh no i don't think that was good we got to do something about like what other fran there is no other franchise there's no other example of what they have had to do to justice league and suicide squad where they get to the end of them and they're like oh those were actual trash and something needs to be done about them and i honestly i think suicide squad in terms of like making its money back did better than justice league because i think they made Suicide Squad on a shoestring budget anyway. Probably most of the money went to Will Smith and, 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 and the rest wasn't that expensive. Batman v Superman cost 
what, like $300 million just to make and then to market. Sure. And, and it made, I think it made $600 million and it's not clear because we don't know the entire cost of, of the marketing or whatever. But the industry rumors or whatever was that Justice League was a huge money loser. And then a few months later, Infinity War came out and made $2 billion. Yeah. So again, not even close. And uh, WB then releases the Snyder Cut because they don't see much downside to it. But I think that's short-sighted. I think there's huge downside. And it's this. Over the next 10 years where they're going to be releasing canon films, the people, every time that happens, is going to be like, you know what you should have done? You should have let the Snyder Cut be canon, and you should have let him figure this out. You should have just let him go for it, because every one of these new films is a disappointment, no matter what they're going to be. People are going to be disappointed, because they're not connected to the Snyder Cut in any way. The new thing that they get to tout as, you see... You see, if you had done it be this way, it would have been good. The last thing I'll say on this topic is that uh, the first two episodes of Invincible just dropped on Amazon Prime Video. That is a comic book where it is, you know, tell me something new. And and it actually, it starts out and you think it's going to be really cliched and it's a brilliant bait and switch and the tone shift and the twist that happens like very close to the beginning is really interesting. And then it just gets more off the rails from there. So I would say check out that the comic or the show, which I guess is pretty faithful. I haven't gotten around to watching it yet, but the previews looked good. I'll, I'll probably watch it soon. Check that out. And then, and, and thanks for listening today, guys. Wow. We kind of went long for, for compared to the episodes we've been doing for one goddamn hour. Let's wrap this sucker up. Yeah. So, uh, catch us next week for hour two of the Snyder cut. And follow us on social media. He's at Westworld Ryan. I'm at James Watches Men. That's a, that's a Zack Snyder movie right there. Watchmen, but not the show. And then. Sure. Uh, support us on Patreon. It's just a dollar or more, guys. Bonus content. Uh, talk to us on Discord. Get your name in the credits of each episode. Yep. And if you become a new patron, I'll say your name like really slow. I'll get a large air horn. And I'll do it. I'll be like, your name, Airhorn, Airhorn. Come on. It's a dollar for Airhorn noises. Totally worth it. Anyway, thank you to Jamie Lockner, Anthony Wells, Harbaugh, Greg, Dave Levin Podcast, James Watch My Dong, Atheist is Unstoppable, Chris Wood, Brent Ginn, Dave Levin Westworld, Craig, John Jurors, Mayor Jerwoody, and Carol Andreas. Thank you for the cash. Cash, cash money. Next week, we'll be back for the Snyder Cut. Chad and I are also doing a rewatch and recap of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which I also didn't really love, but it's substantially better than this. There is a episode I recorded with a patron, which I have been intending to edit, but have been insanely busy. But I will get around to editing it soon. Ryan and I were supposed to nail down a specific date to do the next Call of Cthulhu session, and we never got around to that either. Probably should pin that down as well. (laughs) Sure, sure. A lot of things up in the er. Say something funny to end out the show. Fuck you, James. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 